All right, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We'll be looking at verses 25 through 34 this morning. And we're still in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll be there for at least one more chapter. We'll finish chapter 6 today. But the, the, the topic that we'll be looking at today that Jesus is going to in the Sermon on the Mount is a topic of universal importance. And I, I would even go as, as far as to say of, of extreme importance uh, to everybody in here, universally. There's not one person in this room that can say that this does not apply to you. In this passage we have in front of us here today, which I think we should all be on the edges of our seats for here this morning, Jesus has a word for worriers. And I thought about opening up with, with that question. Uh, so that, that's, just, that's just the answer to that question. Every single one of us in here have things that we worry about. And Jesus here has a word for us as warriors. He knows that. He understands. He, he, he knows what we're going through in our lives. He knows what we worry about. He knows what concerns us. He knows what we're anxious about. He knows what's going on in our minds right now. And He has a word for that. So we need to look at this today. And if you are a worrier, you need to pay very close attention to what's going to be said today. And it's not what I'm going to say. It's what Jesus says here. These words that He shares with us in Matthew chapter 6 are life-changing truths. If you can understand these things, if you can apply these things, it will help you with your worries today and tomorrow and for the rest of your lives. You need to hear these words on worry. I titled the sermon today, Living a Worry. that life. So let's learn how to do that. We'll stand together and, and look at these, this passage, Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34. And again, I think you know this, we stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. I was reminded this morning during Sunday school that this is the Word of God, and it is to us. And we stand just to remind ourselves, this is not my Word, this is God's Word. So notice here with me, and I know we're going to cover nine verses today, that's a lot for us. But we're going to do our best to get through 25 through 34. It's one big section. I want you to notice one thing for me as I read. Six times in nine verses. That's how important this is. Six times in nine verses, Jesus will say, take no thought. That take no thought means don't worry. Don't be anxious about it. So six times in nine verses, notice that. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the eat nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So in verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Last one, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Let's pray together, and then we'll look at how to live a worry-free life. Let's pray together. Father, we... We know that they are inspired words, divine words, that they are errant words. They're without error. They are your words. And we can look at them and say it's just words on paper, but it is not. It is the words of our God. And we need by the power of your Holy Spirit, I need by the power of your Holy Spirit to make these words pop out to us. Make these words alive to us. Make these words sink into the very depths of our soul. May it pierce us and divide us under May your word accomplish that which you have set it out to do. And my prayer is, God, that this word would comfort us, would teach us, would encourage us how we can live a worry-free life, trusting in you. We all need this today. I need this today. So please. Yeah. 
edges of our seats saying, please, Lord, show me how to, to stop worrying and to start trusting. And we ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to quote a song, one of my favorite songs. It's one of my kids' favorite songs. You guys know that I do this. I love music, and I love lyrics, and I love how uh, people that write songs can put these songs together and how they make them the wording just so, so beautiful and, and memorable that, that they can stand out. And the song that I want to quote to you today, you guys all know it. You've heard it. It's popular. It's easy. It's catchy. Song. I want to get the lyrics just right. Because uh, it, it's it's not difficult, but the, the song goes, "Don't worry, be happy." Now, see, there you go. Everybody in here has heard that before. It's a very catchy song. It's a very simple song. It's, it's good advice too. I, I, again, I was singing it this morning. As soon as I turned to this passage this week, the very first thing that came to my mind was, "Don't worry, be happy." And I've been singing that song all week, note by note. I've been singing that song just over and over and over. And that's good advice. I give myself that advice every day. I give other people that advice. People come to my office and they'll walk in. And even if they call me and, and you know that they're sitting there, they're wringing their hands and they're telling me problems. I get that all the time. And you sit there and, and the words that come out of my mouth are, don't worry about it. Don't be concerned about it. Don't be anxious about it. And then even in my own life, I can find things that I worry about, things that concern me, whether it be with my kids or with finances or with the church or with the world. You can turn on the news and immediately worries pop into your head. We live in a very uh, hard time where, where worries is uncertain. So we have a lot of worries, a lot of concerns. And I find myself singing to myself, don't worry about it. Don't worry, Josh, just be happy. As I'm laying in my bed awake at night, staring in the ceiling, worrying about things, I say, don't worry about it. I preach that to myself. I preach that to others. It's good advice. But it's hard advice to follow. Because every one of us struggle with that. We all worry. We have things in our lives that keep us awake at night. We have things in our lives that make us wring our hands. That make us. I'm not one to wring my hands. Steph jumps on to me because I'm one to sit and just rub my eyes. She'll say, what are you worried about? I just sit, she says, she stop that, stop that, I know you're worried. Because I just sit in my house and I'll sit and, and just rub my eyes like they're itching. And she knows I'm worried. We're all apt to worry. We all have things that, that can even make us sick to our stomach. Things that, that stretch us to the limit. That's what the word worry is. It's something that stretches us to the limit. And it's about to break. And it's about to, about to snap. Have you ever been worried about something so much that you're, you get to the point where you think you're going to snap? That you just can't take any anymore. You're going to have a nervous breakdown you're worried so much. That's what this is talking about. We live in days of, of great anxiety and great uncertainty to the point where it overcomes us and even cripples us to where we can't live life. We can't live a normal life. That worry is like a, a chain around our neck that just burning and burning us down to where we can't live a normal life. That's the reality of the world we live in, and we must deal with it. You can't live with it. You must deal with it. And that's what Scripture is going to teach us. It, it is, worry is not a weakness. Worry is a, a wickedness. Worry is a sin. And, that, and it must be confessed and repented of. And it must be dealt with. Worry is a failure to trust God. Worry is saying that God either can't handle my life or He doesn't care enough to handle my life. Worry is an affront against Almighty God. That I have more control than God in heaven does. It's a sin and it must be dealt with. So what do we do with it? I can't just look at you and say, don't worry, be happy, right? It's a good song, but that's not going to work. You can't just look at somebody and say, don't worry. How many times has somebody told you don't worry and that worked for you? It's like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> Great advice. We need more than that. You need more than my words telling you don't worry. You need the words of Christ here. And that's what we're going to look at today in these nine verses. As Jesus looks around, I love this. I want you to understand this. I want you to get this picture in your mind that Jesus is. This is the Sermon on the Mount. And He is up on a mountainside and there's people. That the, the passage says there's multitudes, which means there, there could be thousands of people that are gathered around Him. And they're all gathered around this mountain. And He's up on the top and looking down upon them. And He's been teaching them. And now as He looks down, He is looking at their faces like I'm looking at your faces. I can look at your faces and you know what you can see in the faces around this room? You can see concern. You can see worry. You can see anxiety. You can see the cares of life that weigh us down. And that's what Jesus is, is doing here. He's looking around at faces in the crowd. 
And as he's teaching, as he's preaching, he sees the faces. And he knows that there's marriage problems. He knows that there's concerns about what I'm going to eat tomorrow. He knows there's somebody out there that's fighting a disease. He knows that everybody that he sees is worrying themselves sick. And he sees these things. He sees families. He sees husbands. He sees children. He sees worries on their faces. And he knows it. And he cares about it. And he tells them, here's how you deal with what you're facing. I love that he cares about us that much. He, I can see your faces, but I don't know what's going on on the inside. You can look at me right now and smile, and I think, oh, their life's just great. But when you go home, you may have something you desperately worry about. So I can see the outside. Jesus sees directly into you. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing, and He cares. And that's why He gives us this passage. He gives us a word. He gives them on the mountainside a word on worry. He gives us in these pews a word on worry. And we need to hear this. These words that He gives us on, on worry, there's nothing else like it in the world. There's nothing else close to it. it I've read a quote this week that said, the brilliance and wisdom in this teaching is unsurpassed in all of history. These words are not the words of a psychologist. They're not the words of a psychiatrist. These are not the words of some pagan doctor or a secular uh, book or, or medical journal. These are not the, the, the words of some guru that's going to sit you down and tell you how not to worry. These are the words of God telling us how to overcome and deal with our worries. We must understand this. This is desperate for us today. As a pastor, I, I couldn't wait to get up here today and help you not to worry. We need this. When the world is worrying, and it says there, when the Gentiles are worrying, when the unbelievers are worrying, we in here, we don't worry. And He tells us why. We must get this. It'll take the worry right off of us if you pay attention. If you're on the edges of your seat, this is a desperate plea from Jesus. Don't worry. So let's look at it. This is God's way to overcome worry. And it may convict us, but I hope it encourages us. And I hope it helps us. I, I preach these sermons and I preach through books of the Bible to help you. And this couldn't help you anymore. Amen. So let's look at it. Starting with, I'm going to give you two points. Nine verses, two points. Two headings I want to go through as we look at living a worry-free life. I want to look at, number one, the cause of worry. Because if you want to overcome worry, you've got to know what the cause of worry is. And then I'm going to look at the cure of worry. How can we cure it? How can we make it better? It's only two points in these nine verses. And, and he starts in verse 25. And he summarizes the, the causes of worry in our lives. With great detail, he knows exactly what worries us. He knows the causes of our words. And look what he says in verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. And again, that means don't worry. It could be don't worry. It could be stop worrying. It could be if you are worrying, you need to quit it. Or if you haven't been worrying, don't start. Just don't worry at all. No worries. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought. And he says for your life. And then he gives us a list of everyday things, basic things, uh, bare necessities of life. He gives us the, the main things that we worry about. And he says, look what he says. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor for your body what you're going to wear or put on. Because the life is meant to be more than worrying about meat and body and clothes. So he gives us the three main things. And he's going to add a fourth. The three or four main things that we worry about. The three or four main things that cause our worry in life. And this is for all of us. Maybe more so for them, but it's definitely for us. Okay, the food worry. You see, I know that, that you guys may not worry about food, but they did. Look what it says. Therefore, I say, take no thought for your life what you shall eat. That's the very first one. What you shall eat. Don't, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry. They, they worried about food. They had to farm for their own food. And they had famines and they had droughts where they were, they, they, they were worried that they could go days without eating. When they woke up in the morning, it wasn't a cabinet full of all kinds of cereals like I have. I open up the cabinet in the morning and, and there's Cheerios and there's shredded wheat. And I love shredded wheat as long as it's got the frosty stuff on it. 
there's honey bunches of oats. And there's fruity pebbles. I mean, that's, that's really sweet. And then my kids eat those things, and sometimes I sneak it too. And then there's usually a box up in the top corner that's thefts, and she hides it, but I can find it. But we have cereal all lined up, and we have bread, and we have all the food in the world. Your cabinets are much the same way. I mean, we all this morning woke up and didn't say, oh my goodness, I wonder if I'm going to get to eat today. I wonder if my kids will have food today. I wonder if they'll have bread today. That's how they lived. They lived worrying about if they had. to death of a famine. And look what he says. He gives them an example. Here's why you don't worry about food. Look what he says in verse 26. Behold, and I love this. He uses this twice, but he uses the word the birds that are flying in the air. You see what he says? Behold. And later he'll say in verse 28, consider the, the flowers in the field. Again, he's up on a mountain and he's saying, behold the birds, consider the flowers. So he's giving us examples of why we shouldn't worry about it. Look what he says, verse 26, behold the fowls of the air, behold the birds, for they, look what they do, they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he says, does God not care for you even more? If he'll feed the birds, won't he feed you? The birds here, what do birds do? I like this. The birds work. He's not telling us not to work. That's, I usually don't do that, but for the passage, I thought, I'm going to sit down just on my porch and I'm going to watch the birds. And they never stop. They, they, they work. They're, they're chasing. The, the, the old phrase says, the early bird gets the worm. They're up early. They're up earlier than I am. They're up just chirping and going around, taking food to the nest. It's just moving and shaking and going everywhere. And they would gather their food. But you get this, they don't hoard their food. A lot of extra food in there. I didn't look up there and they had a mansion nest, you know, where they, they're starting to build on rooms onto, the, onto their nest. They, they weren't doing that. You know what they're doing? They're, they're working for their food a day at a time. And they and get this, I never saw one bird. We watched it. Let me tell you, we watched that nest. My kids loved it. And we would look up at the nest and see those birds. And one day the, the mom would bring the food and bring the food. And, and those baby birds would just sit there and take it. And not one time did I ever see any of the birds saying, oh, I wonder if we're going to get food today. I wonder if we're going to eat food today. I'm so worried. I'm so concerned. No, no, no. They would work and they would sing. They would work and they would sing. They would work and they would sing. And why would they do that? Because they knew that God was going to, will take care of them and will supply the need that they have every single day. They worked for their food and they sang and had joy in it. Because that's what he's saying about the birds. They, they sing. God feeds the birds. He takes care of the birds. He watches over the birds. He sends rain for the birds. He gives seed to the birds. He gives sun for the birds. Psalm 147 says He feeds the young ravens. It's like God in heaven just throws out seed for the birds. Matthew 10, 29 says there's not one bird that will fall that He doesn't know about. That's how detailed His care is for the birds. You say, why are you telling us this? That God cares for the birds. It doesn't take a genius to see that God cares for birds. It's like he's just throwing out seed. I can imagine just a, a man is throwing out, taking care of birds. Every morning he's throwing seed out for the birds. And God, every single morning, takes care of the birds in this world. So, if he takes care of little bitty birds that are insignificant. Don't you think he'll take care of you? It's an argument from lesser to greater. If he'll take care of a little bitty bird, won't he take care of big meat? We are much better than they. It says there, are you not much better than they? Are we not the crown of God's creation? 
Are we not the, the final act of His creation? As Johnny was teaching this morning in Sunday school, that we are the final act of creation and, and we are made in the image of God and we get to name the animals and we have authority over the animals? Are we not God's crown of creation? And if He'll take care of the little baby birds and the little fowls of the air and the little sparrows, the smallest insignificant creature in the world, if He will take care of them and they don't worry, don't you think He'll take care of you? That's an important truth. He says every time you see a bird flying in the air, you need to stop your worries. I read an illustration this week about two birds up in a nest watching people. You know, people watch birds. And twist to turn it around and the birds were watching the people. And they were talking back and forth almost like a cartoon. And, and the people down there were just so worried, so concerned. How am I going to get food today? How am I going to make it today? I, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. And one bird said to the other, why do they worry so much? And the other bird looked back at that bird and said, they must not have a heavenly father like we do. If God will take care of the birds, He'll take care of you. He'll take care of us. He's not a distant God. He's not an impersonal God. He's not an uninvolved God. He, he knows more about us than we even know about ourselves. The Bible says that He knows even the hairs on our head. He'll take care of us. So the first one there is we trust our food to our Heavenly Father. The second, and I'm just going to keep going down through here. The second cause of our worry is our fitness. You see that? I, I love how this worked out. Verse 27, we saw the food worry. Now we see the fitness worry. Verse 27, which of you by taking thought, worrying, can add one cubit unto his stature? You say, what does that mean? He's talking about our lifespan. Which of you sitting here today can add one minute to your life by worrying about it? We worry about our health. We worry about ourselves. And this is, a, this is a, a big one. We worry about life. We worry about disease. We worry about illness. We worry about death. I heard a quote by Woody Allen this week that said that he's scared to death of death. That's a good worry for him. We worry about these things. We sit and worry about how we, we exercise, we, we diet, we go to the doctor, we do our best to, to live longer. We, we worry about life and death, how long we're going to live. And he says here, how many of you can add one cubit, one little hour to your life by worrying about it? He shows us that worry won't add a minute, it won't add a day. Worry is useless. Worry is a waste of time. Worry has never solved a problem and worry has never dried it to you. Worry has never added anything to anybody's life. It, it never got anyone anything at all. That's what he's saying here. Worry does you no good. And understand this. In our lives with our, with our health and with our, our fitness and with our well-being and, and with the length of our lives, understand that it's God our Father who gave us life. He's the one that breathed life into our lungs. He's the one that guides our life. He's the one that right now in this life meets our needs. He is the one that, that will ultimately when my life is over, He'll be the one that takes me to heaven and calls me home. He's the one that holds the key not only to life, but into death. And nobody dies and nobody goes into the grave unless the Lord opens that door to the grave and allows us in. He controls life and He controls death. All of that is in His hands. And we won't live, live any longer than God wants us to live. He sets the boundaries of life and death. He gives us the days and wills those days for us to live. He knows. And our worries will not add a single second to how many days we live. We can work out. We can go to the doctor. We can be healthy. But that's for, get this, quality of life, not quantity. That's for the time that we live here, knowing that a healthy man can go tomorrow. You won't add a day to it. So that's the second thing we do. We trust not only our food to our Heavenly Father, but we trust our fitness to our Heavenly Father. You guys want another? If I'm not hitting your worry yet, just wait. It's coming. Because the next one it says, not only your food, not only your fitness, we live in a fitness-crazed world. Everybody worried about their health. He says, trust that to your heavenly thought. Number three, I like this one. A fashion worry. I had to find the 
something that went along with the other one. So fashion worry. Look at verse 28. And why take ye thought for raiment? That's clothes. That's what you're going to put on. You see that? He says that maybe we don't worry about that so much. Maybe our biggest worry about our clothes is when we open up our closet and we have to decide which of the hundred outfits we have we're going to wear today and which of the hundred pairs of shoes we're going to wear today. But when they got up in the morning, they had to worry about how cold it was going to be and whether they had a jacket to keep them warm. They had to make their own clothes and they were not very good clothes at all. So they were worried about what they had on. I mean, you look at the crowd that Jesus is talking to, and they had rugged and ragged clothes. And some of them may have been, I mean, it was warm during the day, and, but it was cold at night in the desert. And you, you would sit there and shake. They had an outer coat that, that, that was their blanket when they slept. They worried about clothes. We don't worry about that. We need to thank God that we don't worry, have to worry about food and clothes. Their, their worry wasn't fashion. You know, am I, do I look good? Their worry was necessity. Do I have clothes to live? And he gives us an example. And it's nature again. It's, he's not saying, behold the, the, the fowls. He says, consider the lilies, the flowers. The flowers and the fowls become our teachers in this passage. And he says, consider the lilies. Look, look at the flowers. So I want you to do that from now on. When, when you think of this, when you look at birds and you're, and you're worrying, look at the birds and say, oh, our Heavenly Father takes care of them. He'll definitely take care of me. And when you see the flowers, you look at the flowers and understand what they do. Look what it says they do. Why take ye thought for rain? Clothes. Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. You see what they do? They're very passive in this. Flowers don't do anything at all. They just see it. And God clothes them. They do nothing. And God takes care of them. God clothes them. And He doesn't just clothe them. He clothes them better than kings. He clothes them with extreme beauty. Is, is what it says there. Look what it says. I mean, the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not. They don't work. Neither do they spin. They're not yawning. They're, you look at a flower. I was at a wedding the other day. And behind the, the place where we did the wedding was these big, tall sunflowers. And I hadn't seen a sunflower like that in years. And I went back there during the rehearsal, and, and I, I just become, I think I'm getting old. I mean, I'm, I'm very, very fascinated by birds and flowers. <laughs> but I just sit there and look at that, that sunflower. And I, I, mean, I studied it from top to bottom. And I, I was looking at the, the intricate details of that sunflower and how beautiful it was on the inside, the smallest parts, and how it spread itself out into the, the most beautiful thing in the world. And I thought in my mind, this jacket that I'm wearing is made by a designer. And, and that designer is Joseph A. Bank. And it's made in China. But when I look at that flower, and I was wearing a suit thinking about that, and I look at that flower, and it doesn't have a designer on it. It wasn't made in China. It wasn't woven together by some designer somewhere with a needle. That sunflower was designed and weaved and fashioned by the hand of Almighty God. He clothes the flowers in a more beautiful way than anything that we could ever wear. He said Solomon, the, the most rich king that ever lived, couldn't wear clothes as beautiful as the flowers in the grass. You try by a flower garden and you automatically do... You don't do that when you see my tile where on Sunday morning. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I see a nice tile. Wow. You know? But you drive by flowers and you say, wow. Beautiful. God clothes the flowers in the most beautiful and intricate way that even kings can't wear robes like the flower wears. We try to put colors together to make them beautiful. God puts the colors in the flowers and makes them beautiful. And then he says, watch, and God cares for and dresses and designs the, what the flowers look like, then don't you think God will clothe us? We just took ourselves down another level. If the bird, get this, if the bird is one of the smallest of creatures, 
And God cares for it and watches over it and, and meets its needs and gives it sun and rain and, and seed. If God will take care of the birds and they work and they toll and they, they do their thing, but these flowers just sit there. They do nothing. And God just grows them up and makes them beautiful. It's like He's, he's coloring them and designing them. And God does it all for them. And they do nothing at all. Down to the smallest thing. And He even says, these grass, this flower, they are mowed down. They are burned away. They're here today and gone tomorrow. They're so insignificant and small and passing away if God will clothe something so small and so insignificant in such a beautiful and intricate way then don't you think he'll do the same for us you better believe he will why would you worry look at the flower if he does it for the flower he'll do it for you and then he, he gets them here look what he says at the end of verse 30 Shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, you little faith. Oh, you little faith. It's, it's, it's hard on him. He's being hard on them there. He'll, don't you think? And that's how that's him hitting them and saying, he'll, Do you really think he'll clothe the flowers and let you go naked? Do you think he'll give them clothes and not give you anything? You, you little faith. I can't believe you don't trust me. We said that at the, at the outset, that it worries a sin. It's a failure to trust God to take care of us. And you better believe if He'll take care of a flower, He'll take care of you. You must believe that. You must trust that. God will take care. If He takes care of that, He'll take care of this. The flowers have utter, complete dependence upon God. And so do we. So the third one, we trust our fashion to our Heavenly Father. We trust our food to our Heavenly Father. We trust our fitness to our Heavenly Father. We trust our fashion to our Heavenly Father. And I want to jump down one more to verse 34 and show you the last one of these causes of worry. It says, take therefore no thought for tomorrow. So we had the food worry and we have the fitness worry and we have the fashion worry. Now we have the future worry. And if you haven't been hit by food, if you haven't been hit by fitness, and you haven't been hit by fashion, then everybody in here will now get the future worry. That's what he says, take no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about the future. And this is one of our biggest fears, is the future. The, and in the future, you can say tomorrow, you can say tomorrow, you can say future, you can say the unknown, you can say the uncertainty of tomorrow. None of us have any idea what's going to happen tomorrow, and it scares us to death. My biggest fears are what will take place tomorrow. I worry about America tomorrow, don't you? I worry about our church and the church in America tomorrow. I'm in good health today. I worry about my health tomorrow. My kids are in my hands right now and, and, and I can get all four of my kids and my wife in, in one room together and hold them there today and everything's fine. I worry about them tomorrow. Who will they marry? Where will they go to school? I worry about my kids in the future. The future is one of our greatest worries. It's uncharted waters. So we worry about it. What does tomorrow hold? We all worry about tomorrow. We even make stuff up. I lay in my bed sometimes and worry because I don't have anything to worry about. I need something to worry about. So I start making stuff up. I get on an airplane and just start thinking things, making it up. You get on an airplane and the first thing that comes to my mind is, do you think the pilot's awake? How do I know if he's wrong? I should ask the stewards, you know. Go check on him. Make sure he's awake, you know. Just make sure he's up there. And your minds just start creating things. And, and your kid has a cold and all of a sudden it's like, I bet you it's cancer, you know. And you start creating things in your mind and, and you're worrying about what's going to happen in the future, what's going to happen tomorrow. And we all do it. I mean, there's things in your mind right now that you're worried about. Maybe even, not even tomorrow, maybe even an hour from now, you've got something going on and I'm worried about it. Maybe your kids get ready to go to college and you're worried about tomorrow. There's all kinds of worries of tomorrow. And he says here very plainly, don't do that. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why don't we worry about tomorrow? Look what he says. Verse 34 again. Take therefore no thought. Don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. 
Let tomorrow worry about tomorrow. Don't let tomorrow ruin your today. Don't bring the, the dark clouds of tomorrow into the sunshine of today. Don't let what might happen tomorrow ruin today. Don't let the burdens of tomorrow ruin the blessings of today. If you are anxious about tomorrow, you double the trouble of today. You need to be careful about ruining your now by worrying about tomorrow. That's why he says, let tomorrow. That's great advice. I mean, what beautiful advice he gives here. Let tomorrow worry about itself. You say, well, tomorrow never comes. Exactly. Exactly. Don't worry about it. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow may not even come. I read a statistic this week, and I don't know how they find these things. But it's like 70% of our worries never happen. As a preacher talking to an old lady, and she said, I know worry works because everything I worry about never happens. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that later on your way home. 70% of what we worry about don't happen. So we are ruining today by worrying about what might happen tomorrow. He says, don't do it. Don't let tomorrow ruin today. And then he says one more thing, and I'll move on to the, to the cure, because we all need to hear the cure. But look what he says there at the end of verse 34. Sufficient unto the day. This is maybe the most important truth you'll get here today. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You say, what does that mean? That means every single day has its troubles it brings. You understand that? Every single day has evil. That, that word evil, it, it, it's, it's heartache, it's, it's suffering, it's grief that God allows to come into our lives. He, he lets burdens come because if, if everything was sunshine, then life would be a desert. So there's going to be clouds, there's going to be rains, there's going to be suffering, there's going to be trials, there's going to be anxieties, there's, there's going to be grief that, that happens in our life. It, it's going to come our way. Every day has something that's going to come into our life. There's going to be issues today. I woke up this morning and I prayed, God, there's going to be things that happen at church today. I'm going to decisions I'm going to make, people I'm going to have to, have to help. There's going to be things that pop up. I know that's going to happen today. And I need to worry about the things that happen today, not the things that's going to happen tomorrow. Because God gives enough strength to carry the burden for today. He doesn't give us strength to carry the burden for tomorrow and for the next day and for the next day and for the next day. He gives us enough strength today to carry the burden for today. Amen. And we're walking around burdened and, and, and carrying a heavy load because we're trying to put on the weight from tomorrow and from next year and from my kids being 20 years old and married. And that's 20 years down the road. I'm worrying about everything there and putting every one of those burdens on myself trying to carry that load. And God says here, Jesus says here, that don't worry, don't try to carry that load. God gives you the burden for the day and God gives you the strength to carry that burden for the day. It's like when He fed the Israelites in the wilderness, He gave them enough food for the day. He gives us sufficient strength to get through the day. So whatever happens during your day, you can trust your Father in Heaven to give you strength to get through that day. We can sit and worry, and I do. What's going to happen if somebody in my family dies? Can I, can I handle that? I can't handle it today. But when that happens, God will give me grace and strength to be able to handle whatever happens that day. You tell people all the time, that's one of my main pieces of advice that I give people. Take it one day at a time. Cross that bridge when you get to it. One trial at a time. One step at a time. Trust Him to give you the strength to get through today. Wake up this morning and say, God, give me the strength to get through today. And God will every single day give you sufficient strength and sufficient grace to get through whatever today's trouble is. Whatever it is. Food, clothes, future. Whatever's going on today, I, He gives me strength and grace to get through it. So worry about today. Let, let Concern about today. That God will meet the needs today. There's no strength for tomorrow's troubles. There's only strength for today's troubles. 
Understand this, there is nothing we will face in the future, nothing we will go through that God won't provide sufficient, sufficient grace and sufficient strength to get through it. There's nothing you'll face that He won't give you the strength to get through. Our, as our days are, so will our strength be. So we trust the future. And I've said that for every one of these. We trust our food into the hands of our Heavenly Father. We trust our fitness into the hands of our Heavenly Father. We trust our fashion into the hands of our Heavenly Father. We trust our future into the hands of our Heavenly Father. And that is the Father factor of our worries. That we have a Father in Heaven who cares about us and will meet every single need and bare necessity that we have. It takes that burden off of us knowing that it's in His hands. There are four things that my kids never worry about. I don't know that they worry at all, but there's four things they never worry about. They never wake up in the morning and worry about, will they have food? Get this. This is a good transition. They never wake up in the morning and worry about whether they have clothes. They really don't. I mean, they, when they got up this morning, they looked at us and said, Dad, what will I wear today? And you know what Dad does? Dad and Mom go to pick out. I say, Dad, it's Ted. She goes and picks out their clothes. So if dad picks out their clothes, they have to go and change their clothes. They don't worry about clothes. They don't worry about their fitness. <laughs> Get that. I'm sitting there eating salads, and they're sitting there saying, I want, I want my third Snickers. You know, they just, they don't worry about it. I go run, and they say, why are you running, Dad? I'm going to live forever. You know, that's how they feel. I'm as healthy as I can be. I can eat and never get about. You know, they don't worry about that. They don't worry about fashion. They don't worry about fitness. They don't worry about food. And they have no clue about the future. The future to them is 30 seconds from now. Will I have a video game in 30 seconds? And you know why they don't worry about those four things? Because they have a father who worries about it for them. When they wake up, they know, Dad's going to have my clothes. Dad's going to have my food. Dad's going to take care of my health. And Dad is going to control the future. He'll take care of whatever comes. And they can just sit back and play their video games and not have a worry in the world. Why? Because they've got a father who cares. And the, this whole thing here is telling us the reason we worry. And I gave you four causes, but inside those four causes is the main cause that we don't trust our Heavenly Father. That's the main cause of our worry. We don't trust our Heavenly Father to take care of us. Why should we worry? Write this down. Why should we worry when the God who rules over all things is our Father? Why should we worry? That's the Father factor. So that's the cause. Now let me get you to the cure. And that's in, starting in verse 31. Those are the causes, the food, the fitness, the fashion, the future. Now let's look at the cure. And I'll get through these, this fairly quickly because now he goes from don't worry don't focus on to here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to live your life. Look what he says in verse 30, 31. It's almost a repeat of what he said in verse 25. So you know that all those things are together in one section. It's called inclusio. I know you guys want to know that. It's all included. It's bracketed together. Verse 25. Take no thought for what you shall eat, drink, or your body what you'll put on. And in verse 31 he says the same thing. Take no thought saying what shall we eat or drink or what shall we be clothed with. So he repeats it again. So he's saying all that's included there and he's summarizing it. So he says here's a simple cure. Don't worry about these things. I mean, it's like that song at the beginning. Don't worry about it. Just be happy. Don't worry. And he gives that list again. And then he brackets here. Look what he says in these parentheses. For those things, eating, drinking, wearing, those things are what the Gentiles worry about. Uh, those things are what, and you say, what's, what's that Gentiles mean? For the Jew, a Gentile was an unbeliever. For a Jew, a Gentile was a pagan. For a Jew, uh, a Gentile was godless. They were out there worshiping idols. They had no God. They had no Heavenly Father. And he says that that's what the Gentiles worry about. That's what they, they, they run after and chase after food. And, and they chase after drink. And they chase after clothes. And they, and they worry about their fitness. And, and they worry about all those things. That's what the Gentiles do. like they do. And you know why they do that? Because they don't have a Father in Heaven. 
They can worry about that because their gods are vicious. Their gods aren't real. Their gods are an idol. They have an idol that they put on their shelf and they bow down to and they pray, meet my needs. It's a dead, dumb idol. It can't meet nobody's needs. If I'm praying to a dead idol, you better believe I'm worried. If I'm praying to a heavenly father, I ain't got nothing to worry about. So these Gentiles, they were praying to false gods, fake gods, gods that, that couldn't, couldn't do anything. He says, that's why they worry about it. They don't have a God like you have. I, mean, I want you to think about that. That's how the unbelievers in our world today, they ought to be worried. They ought to be on anxiety medicine. They ought to be drinking their sorrows away. They ought to be taking the drugs because they've got things to worry about. We don't. We have a Father in Heaven who loves us and they don't. They're on their own. They're orphaned. They're out there doing their own thing. We've got... Look what it says. I'm I'm not making this stuff up. That's what the Gentiles see. But you have a Heavenly Father that knows what you have need of before you even ask Him. They don't have a Heavenly Father like you do. So they worry. They toll. They they sit and wring their hands and and rub their eyes. And and they struggle to get through life. And it's for good reason. They don't have a Father in Heaven. But you do. That's why you don't worry. You have a Father in Heaven who takes care of you. Imagine this. The Gentiles. The unbelievers. They have nobody to watch over them. They have nobody to care for them. Their lives are not under the control of a Heavenly Father who loves them. Their lives are chaos. The things that happen to them are just, for them, it's random. For them, it has no purpose. For them, it has no meaning. Something bad could happen to them tomorrow and there's no purpose in it at all. They have no no future to look forward to. They have every reason to worry They have every reason to live for the lower level things of food and fashion and fitness. They have every reason to worry about their future because their future isn't bright. Tomorrow isn't good for them. Tomorrow could lead them to death and death could lead them to hell. I would be shaking in my boots if I was an unbeliever. Worry belongs to those who have no loving father. Worry belongs to those. Worry should not be Something a Christian does. Because we have a loving Father. They don't. They have nothing and no one else to live for. So they worry about food and fashion and fitness in the future. We have something else to live for. We have a Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us. And He's going to meet our needs. We're different. And so what do we do? We do what verse 33 says. Because we have a Father who cares about us and loves us and meets our needs. We don't have to worry about the food, the drink, the clothes, and the future. We can worry about doing this. Look here. We can do this. Verse 33. We can spend our time, our focus, and our energy on verse 33. Because if we're so focused on food and drink, and we're focused on the the future, and we're focused on, on our fashion, and if we're focused on all those other things, then we won't have time to focus on the things that we should be focused on. I'm always trying to get food. I'm always trying to get clothes. I'm always trying to see what the future holds. I'm I'm worried. But if we set those things aside and don't worry about them, then I can do what I'm supposed to do in life. What's the meaning of life? Verse 33. But we, this is what we do. We're different. We We don't seek the things they seek. We don't live for what they live for. We seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We eagerly seek. We pursue. The focus of our life isn't on the earthly, bare necessities. It's on the heavenly things. I I like that. Because again, he says life is about more than just the food and the drink and the clothes. We don't worry about that here. We've got something else to be concerned with. Look what he says. Let's keep looking. He says the specifics here. He says, focus on, be concerned about, pursue the kingdom of God. That's His work. Not my interest, but His interest. Preoccupy ourselves, and I'll explain this in just a second. We preoccupy ourselves with His work and not our work. We preoccupy ourselves, we become absorbed in, our highest purpose is in seeking to do His work in this world. And then it says not only that, but His righteousness. That's what we hunger and thirst after, is, is growing in holiness 
Again, I would say that the song should be, Don't worry, be holy. Because our focus should not be on worrying about the, the bare necessities, but we should be focused on living for Him and growing in Him. Yeah. And what does this do? What's He doing here? He's changing our focus. When He says, but seek ye first, He's saying, get your eyes off of your concerns and on to the concerns of God. Most people are me first, me second, me third, me fourth. I can keep going if I want to, but that's, that's how most of us are. And when we become so me focused, we become worried about me and worried about mine. And we spend all of our time tolling and laboring in me and mine. And he says, don't worry about those things. I love what God says. I'll take care of that. You take care of living for me. You take care of living for me. You get your eye off of these things and don't worry. And get your eye on doing things for me. And living for me. And, and, and growing in righteousness and, and in holiness. And, and learning the Bible and serving me and doing my work. Jesus at 12 years old in the temple was about His Father's business. If we spent more time in His work and less time in our worry, our lives would be a whole lot better. You pour yourselves into serving God in this life and putting Him first. And you'll be too busy to worry. Amen. You'll get up in the morning and say, I've got too much to do for Him to worry about everything else. You'll, get, you'll go to bed at night <laughs> and because you work for Him all day long, you'll be too tired to worry. You won't be laying in bed sitting there thinking, I've got to find something to worry about. Or this is going to happen, or that's going to happen. As soon as you put your head down on the pillow, you'll fall asleep because you've been too busy working. So when you get up in the morning, I won't have to worry because I'm going to be too busy to worry. And when I go to bed at night, I'm too tired to worry. Because I've spent my time, look at this, focused on His kingdom and His righteousness. It's a change of focus. When we become more God-focused instead of uh, ourselves focused it changes our words. If you, and I've, ta- I've, I've said this to myself, i say this to other people, if we'll become others-focused and not self-focused, we stop worrying. Get this. Jesus spent His life focused on others. It was about the glory of His Father in heaven and it was about serving others. came into this world not to be served, but to serve. And when we can do that and put that first, it'll change the perspective of all of our lives. When I start... I, I believe it's, it's, it's biblical. When we start worrying about the poor and helping others, I won't worry about my bank account as much. Somebody had come to me one day and said, I, just, I'm worried. Uh, my life stinks. You know, they're sitting there telling me all these things about how bad their life is. And I, in my mind, I didn't say this to them. You know, if, if they're here right now, this is what I was thinking while you told me that. But I was thinking about their family. And I, I may have said that to him. Is your wife okay? Yeah, she's healthy. She's a great wife. Is your kids healthy? Yeah, yeah, they're they're great. My kids are great. Do you have a job? Yeah, yeah. Do you have money? Yeah. Did you eat today? Yeah. I said, you go down here to the food bank and you spend an hour at the food bank watching these people come in and beg for food. Their spouse just left them and their kids are sick. And you won't worry about all these things you're focused on. That person who was there in my office. It was me, 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 me. It's like a song. Me, 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 me. And you start focusing on the poor and the needy and the, even the lost. That's what Jesus is saying. Get your eyes off of you. Worry about my kingdom, my righteousness. It'll change your perspective. It'll change the outlook on life. You'll wake up in the morning and say, how can I grow? How can I, how can I be more right? How can I be more righteous? How, how can I do that? How can I help somebody? How can I, how can I do the work of, of Christ in this world? And your focus is there. And you're not sitting there just wallowing in, in, in all your worry. So He not only changes our focus, but He gives us freedom. We can seek Him. We can work for Him. We give our time and our effort to Him. And then He promises, if you do that, if you seek Him, and I love this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and He'll take care of the rest. 
It says, and all these things. You know what all these things are? You know what all these things are? If we seek Him first and put Him first and live for Him and serve Him, then He will take care. Get this, all these things. He'll take care of our food. He'll take care of our fitness. He'll take care of our fashion. He'll take care of our future. We put Him first. He takes care of the rest. I don't have to worry about those things because it's in His hands. All I have to worry about is serving Him. That's pretty good. He will meet our needs. He'll, he'll take care of the necessities. He doesn't say here that He'll give us luxury. He says He'll give us necessities. But understand this. I, I like this. Because He says, I'll meet your needs. All these things shall be added unto you. The bare necessities, the everyday items. He'll take care of those things. I, I love that He gives me the bare necessities. But He's such a good and loving Father that He has oftentimes given me luxuries too. And He doesn't promise that. But he's a very generous God. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and His glory. Yeah. He's saying here, you take care of my business and I'll take care of yours. So we can stop worrying and start working for Him. And trust Him to meet our needs. The Bible says that He who gave us life, and He did, He's given every one of us life in our lungs. If you're alive right now, that breath in your lungs comes from Him. He's given us all life. He's given us His Son. You understand that? He's given us life, and He gave us His Son, the most valuable. We're we talking about the least valuable thing that we went from a bird, a sparrow, a fowl, a small little bird, down to a flower, something that will grow up one day and be mowed down tomorrow. I mean, I sit there sometimes, look out my yard, and I think, oh, look at the flowers. And the next day, I'm like, <laughs> Just mowing that thing over. Take a weed eater to it, you know. It's just here today and gone tomorrow. These small little flowers, these small little birds, the smallest of insignificant little things of value in the world that God cares for. And get this, and we're, 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 we're small, we're insignificant, we're sinful, and He gives us life and takes care of us, but He also gave us the most valuable thing in the world. He gave us His only Son. He gave us His Son to, to come and die for our sin. To, to, to die for sinners like you and me. We of, of least value. He gave us what was most valuable to Him. His Son to come and die for something as small and insignificant as me. So He's given us life. He's given us His Son. He's given us new life. He saved us. And not only gave us the breath of life, but He gave us the Holy Spirit living within us. Wherever we can cry, Abba, Father. We're adopted in the family of God. And then the Bible says, get this, that He's given angels to watch over us. And here we go down this list again, just to, just to help you guys trust Him. He's given us life. He created us and gave us breath. He gave us His Son, which is the most valuable thing in the world. He gave us new life and adopted us into His family. He gave us angels to watch over us. Ephesians 1 says He's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now watch this. I've been waiting for this the whole sermon. Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things if God is for us and who can be against us? Yes. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Don't you think for a second that He who's done all this for us will not now give us the bare necessities of life? You with me? He's given us the greatest things in the world. Why would we doubt Him with everything else? He'll give us His Son. He'll give me bread to eat tomorrow. He's given us His Son. He'll give me clothes to put on tomorrow. He's given me His Son. He'll put a roof over my head. He's given me His Son. He'll give me water to drink out of the faucet. He's given me His Son. He'll take care of the future. He's given me His Son. And we go through all this. If He's given me His Son, He will freely give me all things and meet my needs. If our God in heaven who controls all things is our Father, why should we worry about anything? I'll say this and I'll close. I've looked through the entire Bible and I've studied church history thoroughly. Not completely, but thoroughly. I don't want to make it sound like I'm an expert. I'm not. But I read church history. 
and I've yet to find one example of one person that he's ever let down. Can we say that again? The whole Bible, all of history, I've never yet found one person that he's ever let down. And you won't be the first. So why should you worry when you have a heavenly father like this? That's what he's saying. Why? Don't worry. And I understand that today, sitting in this room, there are people that are worried. There's people with cares. There's people with concerns. There's people with anxiety. There's people with heavenly, heavy chains around their neck that's dragging them down. I can tell some people, some people put on a good front and you never tell they're worried. But some people walk in those doors and they might as well be crawling. I run that little bear run yesterday with a grizzly. They put us under nets. They put us in mud. And, and I come to the finish line just, you know, just down. Just like I had 100 pounds on my back. And as I was doing that, it's going through my mind, the sermon I'm preaching today, that's how a lot of people will walk into church tomorrow, Josh. And I can't stand it. I mean, I know I'm taking a little bit of extra time, but I can't stand it knowing that there are people in this room today who have been burdened by terrible cares throughout the week. And I cannot stand to watch a pastor come here and beat them down even more. I won't do it. I want to point you to Jesus who will take that burden off your shoulders and lift you up. Yes. Because that's what he does. Matthew 11, come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You'll see who I am. I'm lowly apart. I'm meek. Come unto me and give me that burden. Lay it upon me. He'll take it. I don't want to bring you down. I don't want to lift you up. I don't want to discourage you. I want to encourage you. I want you to, to live a worry-free life. I don't want you to walk around like, like you got a, a thousand pounds upon your shoulders when Jesus, the strong Savior, is there to say, give it to me. I can handle it. If He can handle the sins of the world, He can handle your cares and concerns. He went to the cross and, and took it all upon His strong and mighty shoulders. You can lay your burden upon Him. First Peter says, cast your burdens, cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Yes. Thank oh. God. I love that cast. I looked it up this week. You know, I, I looked it up in the Greek. I'm no Greek expert. I know Greek about four days before you do. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up that word cast. And it's throw. And it reminds me of, of my kids when they walk into the house and they start throwing their shoes and their coats and their clothes and just throwing them anywhere they can. And I'm like, put that up, you might need it later. No, I don't need it. And I'll never need my shoes again. Just throw them, you know. And, just throw them. and then when you leave, they're sitting there saying, I don't know where my shoes are. Well, if you had to throw them all over the place, you'd know. That's neither here nor there, but that's, that's my word. Just throw Cast your cares. Did you see that? You see that? Cast your cares. Like my kids when they walk in the house and they take off their shoes. Cast your cares upon Him. Upon His strong and mighty shoulders. Cast it upon Him because He cares for you. He'll take it. He'll carry that load. You can give it to Him. And that word cast means throw it and don't bring it back. It's not like you fish and you cast it out and you bring it back. Don't you dare bring it back. Cast it on Him and leave it with Him. I urge you today, if you walked in with cares, if you walked in with concerns, if you walked in with anxiety, and you had, a, had it around your neck and you're struggling, our Heavenly Father doesn't want you living like that. No father wants their kids doing, oh, I don't know if I'm going to... Imagine if my kids did that this morning. I don't know if I'll have any food to eat. I will get you food. <coughs> he wants you to cast it on Him. I'm not begging you to come to the altar. It may be a good place for you to come. But as you sit there in your pews, I know some of you are worried sick. Here, today, and now, cast it upon Him. And know He cares for you. And walk out of this church today, not like this, oh, not like this. My food is in His hands. My fashion is in His hands. My fitness is in His hands. And my future is in His hands. And I can go out and work for Him and not worry. I urge you today to do that. Cast it all upon Him because He cares for you. 
And if you're here today and you're lost, here's what I tell you to do. You need to be worried sick. You need to worry. You're going to stand before an almighty God one day and He's going to punish you for your sins and send you to hell. You should be sitting in your pew shaking like a leaf. You should worry. My advice to you, worry. Be anxious. Be scared. Wring your hands. Rub your eyes. Be sick to your stomach. Knowing that one day, and that's why a lot of people try to drug it out and drink it out, because they don't want to think about what they're going to, what they're going to face in the future. They try to get it out, out of sight, out of mind. I, I don't want to think about it. Because if I did, I'd be, oh no, I'm going to stand before God one day. And He's going to punish me for my sins. I've got to get it out of my mind. I can't go to church. That preacher's going to tell me I'm going to hell. People in the grocery store, I can't see that preacher. He's going to tell me I'm going to hell. Get it out of my mind. I'm bringing it to your mind right now. And you should be scared to death. You're going to be a sinner, as Jonathan Edwards would say, in the hands of a very angry God. Not a heavenly Father who cares, but an angry God who crushes. And the only way you can get out of it is by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not casting your cares upon Him. You're casting yourself upon Him. Your soul upon Him. Throw yourself at the mercy of Almighty God and He will save you. If you believe, oh, He will. And He'll take that burden away. He'll take the the burden of sin. He'll, He'll take it all away. If you'll cast it upon Him. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that you should be doing it in your mind right now. I'm scared to death of, of facing Him. What do I do? And the answer is very plain and very clear. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe is throwing your whole self upon Him. I trust not only my life in His hands, I trust my soul in His hands. Will you do that today? Here today, you're lost. Will you trust your soul into the capable hands of a mighty Savior? Yes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your words to us today. And I know I couldn't do this beautiful passage the justice that it deserved, but it was so good for my soul and for my worries and my concerns. And I pray, God, from a pastor's heart, let it be good for the people in these pews. Let it be exactly what they needed to hear today. And let them lay their burdens down, their cares and concerns, and not pick them back up. May today be a game changer for them. And if there's one here that's lost, God, please, my prayer for them is that you would give them anxiety, that you would give them fear, that you would give them worry, that they would have that fear, that worry, until they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't take their fear away from them. Don't take their worry away until they believe. Let them shake let them be concerned. Let them, let them have tears that drives them to Christ. Please bless this invitation time as only you can by the power of your Spirit. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music plays.